hope uh, you saw our beautiful new parking lot out there. I want to say a special thank you to uh, Scott and North Coast uh, Paving. They did an excellent job, don't you think? Uh, and uh, we were able to pay for that through the uh, Prime the Pump offering. So thank you very much. Our dear Heavenly Father, you teach us that in your uh, creative wisdom, that rest is part of your good design that we do better when we learn uh, how to rest, and that our, soul, our souls thrive uh, because we can rest. And so I pray that you would teach us uh, the uh, Christian skill of rest. And I ask this through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. Uh, so many of you know my daughters who serve here, but I also have a son. He uh, works for a uh, TV station in Burlington, Vermont. It's not the end of the world, but you can see it from there. He is a... Um, uh, a movie kind of guy. I don't know what to call it, but he knows a lot about movies. So when he sends me a recommendation, uh, I always watch it. And last week he sent me a recommendation for um, a documentary on uh, the Lost Pyramid of Egypt. And uh, if you watch the documentary, uh, they find an undiscovered tomb. And it has all kinds of beautiful artifacts in it. But the archaeologist is telling everybody, go slow. Go slow. If we, if, if we break one of these pieces, it's irreplaceable. If, if one of them needs to be uh, reinforced before we pick it up. We can re let's, we have to be patient. This work cannot be rushed. And uh, when I heard him saying that, I thought to myself, how true that is also for the human soul. Uh, uh, we are in such a rush. Uh, uh, we, uh, we, we live a grab-and-go life. Uh, we rush our way through things and end up uh, ruining it because we didn't have the tranquility, the patience to do it at the pace it wanted to be done or it needed to be done. I admit I have... Uh, I have rushed through days, one appointment after the next. I've got to the end of the day, and instead of thinking about 
the, did I do what I did today in a quality way? I, I say to myself, I got everything done. And surely you realize there's a big difference between getting everything done and, and doing it well and living well. Can we agree with that? Just because I got everything done doesn't mean that I lived well and that I did my work well. Um, so this idea that we've been studying of rest is not just taking a day off and putting your feet up on the, on the uh, footstool. It's, it is finding breath moments throughout even a busy and hectic day. And it turns out that Christ wants to be your partner in that. In Matthew's gospel, Jesus said to us, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And you will find rest for your souls. Church, Christ wants to be your partner in healthy rest. At the very beginning, Christ promises to give us rest as a gift. At the very end, he says... I'm going to get you started. I'm going to give you rest. But rest is also something you need to learn how to find. And so we're going to study uh, from the rest God just graciously gives us to the rest we have to learn to find ourselves. We often think of rest as an individual thing. When we think of rest, we think of laying down on the couch, uh, 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 sitting on the back patio. Uh, we often think of rest as an individual thing. But listen what Christ said. Rest is not always an individual thing. Sometimes it's a connection thing. Come to me. If you want rest, Christ says, it's a partnering act, not an individual act. Christ said if you really want rest... You're not going to do it by yourself. You're going to do it by hanging around with me. But I understand that because often it's rest for me to uh, sit around on uh, uh, one of my daughter's back patios with my family and then just enjoy their company. In fact, I think it's more restful to hang around with my family for a little bit than to sit alone watching TV. Anybody else find that to be true? Rest is always not an individual act. It's often a partnering. And I don't find rest by, be, by emptying my mind. I find rest by filling my mind with Christ. Uh, we revive, restore, and refresh in connection rather than isolation. You see, if I'm trying to find rest in isolation... 
that means I have to do it myself. If I'm going to find rest in, uh, uh, if I'm going to find restoration by myself, then I have to do that. I have to work to restore myself. On the other hand, if I find rest in connection, I don't have to produce the restoration. Christ produces the restoration. I don't have to refresh myself. Christ does the refreshing. Who makes it happen? Uh, have, you, have, have you ever had one of those uh, evenings where you're really, really, really tired and you can't fall asleep? Anybody? You're laying there, you roll over, and all you want to do is fall asleep and try to be asleep for at least three hours. And the harder you try to fall asleep, the farther you get from falling asleep. <laughs> Am I the only one? Or, all right. All right. This is the same way with rest. Sometimes the harder you try to rest, the less you rest. And so Christ said, you don't have to do this alone. You, 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 don't, you don't have to roll over and roll over and roll over. There is a tranquility in the presence of Christ in which he gives us rest. Uh, I want to remind you of our special word, uh, equanimity. Christ gives us equanimity. Equanimity is even-mindedness under stress. I don't know what your life is this week, but I guarantee you, you'll have stressful moments. Nature of living. Something's going to happen that raises your stress. All right. In that moment, we have access to Christ. And in the stillness of our inner self, we can say, Dear Jesus, you said to me in moments like this, come on to me and I will give you rest. You don't have to lay down and take a nap, but you can simply whisper a prayer to God and say, I sense my stress rising. I'm losing my equanimity. I'm asking you in this moment for that inner rest that you promised. Equanimity means emotional and mental composure under agitation. Somebody's going to get on your nerves this week. Ah, uh, I can predict it. I see it in my little crystal ball. Somebody's going to get on your nerves this week. And in that moment, you can find equanimity by simply saying to Christ, you said in moments like this, Come unto me, and I will give you rest. Equanimity means inner calm under strain. This week, when you feel the strains of life, uh, you, can, you can whisper the prayer, I'm claiming your promise that in moments like this, if I come to you, you would give me rest. Do you hear this, church? Rest becomes an expression of your personal relationship with Christ. Equanimity becomes the normal setting of your heart because in these difficult moments, 
you've learned the, the process of calling upon Christ and receiving from him what only he can give you. In this verse, Jesus says, are you willing to acknowledge that you need rest? Come unto me, all you who are laboring and carrying a heavy burden. Sometimes we don't have the rest God wants to give us because we're not honest with ourselves. Uh, uh, you're, you've worn yourself out. And, uh, and you're feeling the frayed edges of life. Uh, and instead of looking in the mirror, we start looking around us and saying, uh, these people wear me out. This job wears me out. Uh, and we, we start pointing externally. Christ says, come unto me, all you who are self-aware, and you're looking at your honest self and saying, the way I'm living is wearing me out. Church. I have some more journal questions for you this week. If you're working in your journal, uh, here are three self-awareness questions. One, ask yourself, what is wearing me out? Look around in your life, just look around in your life and ask yourself, what is wearing me out? Um, the second question, am I working for things that really matter to me? Uh, in, in my using of my life, in, in the burning of my energy, in, in the things that are wearing me out, do they really, really matter? Or am I wearing myself out for things that in the long run don't really have that much true value? The third question, what do I have to show or doing the things that wear me out. What do I have to show for it? In um, 1978, Sharon and I bought a brand new uh, Ford Pinto. Uh, that car cost a whopping $2,800. And wouldn't you know, back then we thought, uh, we'll, we'll never pay this off. Uh, and I, I was working two jobs then. I couldn't find a job that paid enough for one, so I was working two jobs. Uh, that 78 Pinto is setting in uh, a... Uh, junkyard somewhere, uh, probably three-fourths rusted to the ground. Or it's been crushed, melted down, and turned into something else. 
when you really start thinking about life, when you, when you really start paying attention, we, we have to get serious about, uh, if I'm going to wear myself out, I should be doing it for something that is meaningful and has value. Church, I shouldn't be exhausting my only one life for things that in the long run are uh, relatively insignificant. All right. For example, uh, you heard our, uh, our, our uh, CC Kids uh, um, ladies talking about the program. Uh, what would be the eternal value of you volunteering one hour a week to change a kid's life? Look, don't get me wrong. I'm not asking you to babysit. If you want to babysit, you have to do that somewhere else. We do not babysit kids. We love them. We inspire them. We teach them. We encourage them. We make them feel valuable and special. And I, I, I'm standing up here in front of you and saying, that has eternal value. That has eternal value. Do you know that the, 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 the young people who are on their way to leading this church, they grew up in our program. They grew up in a program where we treated them special. We loved them. We showed them kindness. And what is the payoff? They're going to be leading this church into the future. There is an eternal payoff for some things. Some things are worth wearing yourself out for, and some things aren't. Church. Nothing makes me more proud of this church than seeing those kids pour out onto Main Street, and they're all happy. They're jumping around. They have some little thing that we gave them. It's, eh, nothing makes me happier. Here's three, more, here's three more questions for your journal. The first questions are about uh, laboring. The second questions are about burdened. What are the heaviest burdens you're carrying right now? What is, the, what is, what is most heavy on your soul? Can you name it? Can you identify it? The second question, what burdens are necessary and what burdens should I release? You know, some of you are carrying burdens you don't have to carry. You should have let them go a long time ago. Some of you are carrying the burden of resentment, and you've been carrying it a long time, and you should have let it go. Some of you are carrying the burden of uh, you just won't forgive, and that thing you won't forgive is a load on your soul. Uh, some of you are carrying uh, uh, the burdens of shame and regret. Uh, look, there are some burdens we have to carry, but there are also some burdens that we have to let go. We have to lay them down. We have to commit them to Christ so he can give us rest. Third question. Where do I carry my burdens? In my body, my thoughts, my emotions. For example, 
I carry my burdens in my neck. Anybody? You feel that tightness in your neck? Huh? You feel that stress in your neck? Uh, I carry my, when I don't have equanimity, I carry that burden in my neck. Huh? All right. Uh, we carry our burdens in our thought. That's where we get stuck on these thought patterns and we repeat them over and over and over and over again. Do you ever get stuck on a thought pattern? And you think it over and over and over and over. Uh, sometimes we carry our burdens in our emotions. And we have inappropriate emotional responses to the moment because we've overburdened ourselves. And so my emotional response in the moment is not appropriate to the moment because I have this burden on my, uh, in my emotional self. I've carried all this stuff inside and I'm overwhelmed in the moment because I've been carrying this burden in my emotional self. Church? All right. Nobody can do this work for you. You have to do it yourself. You got to get out your journal. You got to get uh, uh, something to write with. Um, you got to say, what's wearing me out? Am I working for things that really matter? What do I have to show for being exhausted? You have to ask yourself, really, what are, what are, what are the burdens of my life? Can I even name them? Um, what burdens are necessary, and what burdens do I have to put down? And finally, where am I carrying my burdens, and what do they tell me about my need for rest? Answering these questions are a pathway to rest. Answering these questions are the way you get from where you are to those moments of true rest. I also want to say, for you who love Christ, answering these questions are a way to a richer spiritual life. Uh, John Calvin teaches us that God created us in the kind of way that the better we know ourselves, the better we're able to know him. The more honest I am with myself, the easier it is for me to come to know Christ. And then, and then Matthew said, take my yoke upon you. Now some of you know this verse, and, and you've known it all your life, and, and so you lose the irony of this. Listen to what Jesus said. If you're already weary and you're already burdened, take my yoke upon you. Do, do, does anybody hear the irony in that? Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. It seems if I'm already weary and I'm already carrying too much of a burden, why would Christ ask me to take his yoke? Well, I think it's brilliant. What Christ is saying is, 
There is a shared effort in pulling the load of life. You're weary and you're burdened because you're pulling it all by yourself. You are worn out and you are exhausted because you're doing it all by yourself. And Christ says, I didn't create you to do this all by yourself. We can do this together. You set down your uh, apparatus for pulling life. You take my yoke upon you, and we will do this together. Uh, uh, back to the beginning of the series. Christ says, you're not capable of doing it by yourself. I can be transplanted into you in the kind of way that we do life together and the burden gets lighter and the load gets easier. Church. Then Jesus said, if you take my yoke upon you, instead of living this exhausted life, you're going to find out that my burden is easy and my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Some of you believe that if, if, if you trust God too much, he's going to uh, make you do a lot of hard things in life. You've, 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 the unholy one has convinced you that your life will get harder if you are more obedient to Jesus Christ. You won't be able to do this. You'll have to do that. You'll have to go to be a missionary in some lost place. Uh, listen, that's not what Christ said. Christ did not say, take my yoke upon you, and when I've got you in the yoke, brother, you are going to work. He said just the opposite. He says, how's life working for you right now? What does your worn-out gauge say about how life is working for you? What, 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 does, your, what does your inner sense say uh, life is working the way it's supposed to be or does it say I thought it would be easier than this Christ says when you start being self-aware and you start paying attention you're probably going to figure out that life has worn you out in ways you didn't expect he says but I've got you you do not have to do this alone take my yoke upon you we can do this together church it's called union with christ it's called this idea that in a day-to-day -day way as i live my life i'm living in a relationship to christ so that when when the load gets heavy he pulls with me i'm not doing it myself if christ's desires for you do not seem light then you have to reconsider your, your relationship to Jesus Christ. I want to say that again. If you feel like what Christ wants from you is imposing, it's invasive, it's intruding, if you feel like what Christ wants for you makes your life worse, you need to reconsider your spiritual life. Something is not right. 
your relationship to Christ has gone off the tracks somewhere. I find that the most difficult things Christ ever asked me to do, he gave me grace in that moment to do it. I can't point to a single time in my life where Christ asked me to do something difficult and I didn't have a sense that his grace was sufficient. Church, uh, at the most challenging moments, as I remember my life, I have to say, in the most challenging moments, I had the greatest sense of the presence of God. Church, can you hear this? If his burden doesn't seem right to you, your relationship to him has gone off the track somewhere. Because in the reality of living, and people, I'm, other people would tell you the same thing that I'm saying. I, I'm not some super spiritual guy. I am a Christian trying to walk with Christ just like you are. But I have found in the reality of my life, his burden is easy. His yoke is easy and his burden is light because his grace is sufficient. Um, I've read uh, Jack Gropple's book, The Corporate Athlete, several times. Jack Gropple is a, um, he's a business consultant. And uh, his, his, the thesis of his book is that um, uh, recovery is a necessary part of life if you're going to be successful. And this is written for a corporate uh, 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 people who work in corporations. And, he, and he's got, the whole book is about recovery. You have hard days, you have hard moments, you have hard meetings, and recovery means everything. And he's got a bunch of stuff about diet and exercise and, and a whole bunch of stuff. All right. But he also has a chapter on spirituality. And I thought I would share some of his ideas so that you get a look at spirituality from a businessman's point of view and not just a theologian's point of view. What do you think about that? All right. Grapple says this in his chapter on spirituality. Can you explain your spiritual life to someone? If someone said to you, what is your... What, are you a spiritual person? And you said, yes. And then they say, well, what, what does that mean to you? Could you explain to someone your spiritual life? All right. Is it clear enough to you that you could speak to it plainly, speak it plainly to someone else? Is my relationship to Christ clear enough to me that if someone was say, were to say to me, man, I'm worn out, I don't think I can take anything else, I could share with them my spiritual experience of rest in Christ. Or would I just say those dumb things that we always say when somebody says I'm worn out? Church? The second thing Grapple says is, do you daily access your spiritual beliefs. Listen, listen what he says. In your day-to-day -day life, do you access 
your spiritual beliefs. Uh, I would say in your day-to-day life, do you touch Christ in a consistent way? In those moments in life when you're stressed, do you reach out to Christ? In those moments in your life when you're agitated, do you reach out to Christ? When When those moments in life when you're worn out, do you reach out to Christ? Is your Christian life a daily part of your experience? Or is your Christian life something you do on Sunday? Listen to the band sing and listen to me rant for 40 minutes and that's your spiritual life. Three. I like this one. We know what it means to be physically fit. Do you know what it means to be spiritually fit? Listen to what Paul said once. Bodily exercise profiteth little. That's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. (laughs) Bodily exercise profiteth little. But godliness, piety, is profitable in all things. So exercise yourself for godliness. Did you hear what he said? He said, exercise yourself so you can be spiritually fit. In the very same way that you take vitamins and you do your workouts and and you, and you walk and you run and you go to the gym, in the very same way that you have an agenda to be physically healthy, Paul says we need an agenda to be spiritually healthy. And Grapple says, when was the last time you asked yourself, how spiritually fit am I? The next thing he says is, do you have a plan to improve your spiritual fitness? If you've gotten a little, uh, if you've gotten a little spiritually plump, uh, uh, if you've gotten out of shape spiritually, do you have a plan to get back in shape spiritually? He asked this question. How are you living to help others? If you ask yourself the simple question, last Monday did I do anything to help anybody other than myself? Last Tuesday, did I do anything to help anybody other than myself? Last Wednesday, uh, see, my spiritual life is expressed in how I'm treating others. And then the last thing he says in the chapter is the most brilliant. Say to yourself every day, all time is sacred. All time is sacred. There's no such thing as my sacred life and my secular life. There's no such thing as my spiritual life and my everyday life. All time is sacred. If all time is sacred, it means I I am living with a daily awareness that I am in a yoke with Jesus Christ and we're doing life together. I don't wear the yoke of Christ sometimes. I don't wear the yoke of Christ on love week. I wear the yoke with Christ every day of my life. All time is sacred. And then uh, Matthew said, uh, Jesus said, learn from me, for I am 
gentle and humble in heart. Do you hear this? Jesus says, learn from me. Christianity is a thinking religion. Christianity is a learned lifestyle. And Christ said, I'll be your teacher. Learn from me. All right. And he says, these are the two things that I want you to learn. Gentleness and humility. Gentleness is freedom from harshness, sternness, and violence. Listen to this. Christ teaches us to be gentle instead of harsh because there is no equanimity in harshness. Christ teaches us to be gentle instead of stern because there's no equanimity in sternness. Christ teaches us to be gentle instead of violent because there's no equanimity in violence. Do you hear this? If I want to find rest, I'm not going to find it in harshness, sternness, and violence. If I want to find rest, I'm going to find it in gentleness, church. If you want to rest, you don't lay down on a boulder field. If you want to rest, you don't lay down on your driveway. You want to lay down on something that's a little more gentle, uh, a little more cushiony. Amen? Well, you're a hard group today. Um, <laughs> all right. Christ says, if you want to find rest, you're going to learn from me that gentleness produces more rest, more restoration, more refreshing than harshness. But Christ also taught us to be humble, not proud, arrogant, or pretentious. Christ teaches us to be humble instead of uh, proud because there's no rest in pride. You know your ego never rests, right? If, you don't, if you're not careful, your pride never rests. Christ teaches us to be humble instead of arrogance because there's no rest in arrogance. Christ teaches us to be humble instead of pretentious because there's no rest in pretension. Are you here in this church? Jesus says, if you're living in a relationship with me, you're going to grow in the, in the virtues of gentleness and humility. And as you grow in these virtues, these other things that keep you from resting, they're going to be passing away. And you, it will be, uh, rest will be a normal part of your daily life. Jesus ended this by saying, you will find rest for your souls. What is soul rest? Soul rest, the rest we're looking for, is Christ being transplanted within us. For me to live is Christ. To become more and more in my soul like Jesus Christ. That's soul rest. Soul rest is reviving, restoring, and refreshing our inner life. Although the outer man is wasting away, my inner man is being made new day after day. Soul rest is equanimity even-mindedness under stress, emotional and mental composure under agitation, 
inner calm and steadiness under strain. Soul rest is, is the tranquility of gentleness and humility. Soul rest is the gift and the learned skill that we get from Jesus Christ. And soul rest is part of being a daily disciple of Jesus Christ. Church, I ask you to learn from Jesus Christ the rest that he so desperately desires for you to have and the rest that you need in the hectic world we live in. Our dear Heavenly Father, I ask this morning that out of the riches of your grace, you would teach us both the value and the skill of rest. Uh, Father, I, I pray for those who are here this morning that they really are they, they really are worn out. Uh, they, uh, uh, the burden uh, has been uh, heavy and, and, uh, and life has left them ground down. I pray that you would give them the gift of rest right now. I pray that out of the riches of your goodness, your rest would wash over their souls. I pray that they could go out of here with a tranquility they did not have when they came in. I pray that equanimity would replace the distress that they're feeling. I pray for those who are online, wherever they are, Heavenly Father, that in this moment, you would find their souls and give them rest. Father, I pray for every single one of us that we would learn the Christ-taught skills of rest and that we would practice them daily. And then I pray that out of a revived soul, out of a restored soul, out of a refreshed soul, we might live the glorious lives that Christ created us to live. In Christ's name, amen.